Good morning, everyone. We're glad you are here this morning with us this Palm Sunday. It is typically a day in the life of our church where we celebrate much. We celebrate this week leading up to Easter when Christ came and entered into Jerusalem victoriously, but not as we expected. In ways beyond our expectation, he was victorious. And so Palm Sunday is traditionally a a rich time of celebration in the life of the church. And so nothing has changed, right? In the midst of our our changing world, in the midst of the different uh, kind of challenges that we face, living day to day, working from home, doing homeschooling, uh, being limited in what we can go and purchase and, and get, in the midst of all those changes, some things never change. And the fact that we have the opportunity to celebrate Christ as a victorious uh, rescuer and redeemer has not changed. And so we are here today to celebrate that. Hey, I want to let you know that today we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It's, it's the first time that I've had the opportunity to separate the Lord's Supper with the body of Christ dispersed throughout the region. And yet we will do that today. And so what I want to tell you now is take this time right now in the next minute or so Go, if you haven't already, grab a a piece of bread or a cracker and grab a little bit of juice. You can use water if you don't have juice. Uh, You can be creative with what you have on hand because the the value is in the celebration that we take together uh, of celebrating this moment where we remember what Christ has done on our behalf. And so I'll introduce that time to us later on in the service and just encourage you to take this time now to go and get those materials, bring them back so that you can be present to the remainder of our worship service together if you haven't already gotten them yet. So, again, I'm excited for that. I think it will be a time of encouragement as we feel uh, that we have missed one another and being together. This is a moment where we are truly together in Christ. And so I'm looking forward to celebrating that with you. You know, we're told that on uh, Palm Sunday, Jesus gathered with his disciples and he sent a couple of his disciples to go and get a a colt and that he would ride into Jerusalem on this colt as a victorious uh, king. Right? And we're told that as he did, a great celebration arose. And this is how it's told to us in Luke chapter 19. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Maybe today we proclaim peace in the, in the name of the Lord and in heaven and glory in the highest even more so than ever before because we have reason to rejoice and to celebrate what God is doing way beyond our comprehension. God is working today, and today we celebrate the fact that he has sent his son as a victorious savior. So as we enter into this time of worship, I wonder if you'll allow me to ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that you are victorious over sin and death. You may not have been the rescuer and redeemer that we thought we needed or wanted from our worldly perspective, but from an eternal perspective, you were far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. You have saved us from our own sin. You have saved us from the the, the risk of death that we might have eternal life with you. So Lord, today, we join with those disciples that gathered outside of Jerusalem in raising up our voices, praising the name of the Lord on high in heaven, 
praising his name and glorifying his name. We do that now, Lord. Father, I pray against the distractions that, may, that we may face uh, in this time, that we could actually unplug from everything else going on in our world and, and, and focus our attention on you, that we might lift up our hearts and minds before you and glorify you and make much of you and be encouraged by this time that we share together in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. You know, it's usually on Palm Sunday about this time that we would open the doors and, and welcome the kids into the sanctuary as they would wave palms and celebrate the palm parade that we typically did to remember that day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and, and celebrate rejoicing with his disciples. But because we can't be together today, we don't have the opportunity to witness the children parading around. I miss it because I usually took my own palm and would whack them as they went by me on the head. But... But I'm going to imagine that moment. And I encourage you to close your eyes and imagine that moment. A moment of celebration, of joy, of seeing these little ones walking around, waving palms and having fun. Well, to help us in imagining that, we, uh, we, we have a little something for you. A, a palm parade of our church family of sorts. Take a watch.
every song.
Well, we certainly need encouragement today, right? I mean, there are things, as I mentioned, that are going on in this world that are beyond our control, and and we need that encouragement to to look to Jesus, to, to be able to turn to him and say, you alone are the place where I find refuge. You alone are the one that can make sense of the things that don't make sense in my life, and I can entrust myself to you, not that I need to know how to make sense of it, but I entrust myself into your hands knowing that you will guide me and guard me and, and lead me to where you are taking me, and I trust that it's a beautiful place. So today, we're going to continue our series that we're calling You Can't Handle This, right? It's this place in our lives where we have come to realize there are things we have no power over, but we realize that as we put our faith in Christ, as we trust in Jesus, that's not such a bad thing because we can have hope that God is doing something. He's working in our lives beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to see within the circumstances of our lives. Many of us are dealing with, with situations where we're uh, fearful. We're worried about our families. We're worried about what's going on with our jobs and, and our income. We're worried about our health or the health of our loved ones. We're, we're worried about maintaining sanity when we're all uh, at home together, trying to work full time and, and educate our children and encourage one another and keep us from bickering. There are many things that we deal with that cause us frustration. And this morning, I, I want to just tell you, it's okay to be frustrated. I mean, ultimately, we, won't, we don't want to stay there, but don't pretend that your frustration is abnormal, right? The disturbances we've felt however good they are for us, are uncomfortable. They're frustrating. They're painful. And so this morning, I want, to, I want you to think about that. I want you to consider, and, and go ahead, you can talk about this in, in the discussion thread, what, what disturbances to your routine are causing you frustration? Don't, don't, you know, I mean, be honest with one another. Not don't be honest, but be honest with one another. Share with one another what, what sort of disturbances are there that are causing frustration to your routines. Maybe it is just being able to drive to your office and, and, and kind of uh, prepare yourself for the day or drive home at the end of the day and decompress, maybe pack up all the things that were going on during the day and set it aside so you can be present to your family. Maybe it's more than that. You don't have the freedom to talk to the doctor that you have that, that's helping you with this ongoing need. Or maybe it's just the freedom to go to the grocery store and pick up food or items that you need. We all have frustrations. What, what disturbances are causing you frustration? Well, this morning, not just looking at those disturbances, I want to encourage us to look beyond those disturbances. I want us to ask the question together, where do we look for hope and encouragement in a time like this? There's a woman named Corrie Tenboom who was a Dutch woman whose family worked with the Dutch resistance to, to, uh, to, to contradict what was happening with the Nazis during World War II. They, they would actually hide uh, Jewish families in their home and, and protect them from uh, the Nazis who would come and take them away and put them in uh, a camp. And so she said this, which I thought was very helpful. A woman who was very familiar with suffering, very familiar with disturbances to her world. She said this, she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. 
If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Right? I mean, if you are, are checking your news every day, there's plenty of things that will cause you distress. And I don't know about you, but when I look within myself, there is a bit of feeling depressed because I don't have answers for all of this. I don't know how to make my situation better, overcome the difficulties that we face. And it's depressing not knowing how to fix my own situation. But the reality is I never could fix my own situation. And it wasn't until I learned to look to God, to look at him, that I find rest. Now that saying, it sounds like a great saying. It sounds like one of those platitudes we hear, like good things come to those who wait, or, or time heals all wounds. But the real reality is that time doesn't heal all wounds. And there's no guarantee that good things will come to those who wait. But I can say with confidence, I can say with faith what I believe in. And what I believe in is that as I look at the world, I do feel distressed. And when I look within myself, I do feel depressed because I don't have answers. And I can say that when I look at God, I find the one true rest I really long for. Why? Two reasons. Well, first of all, I I can say this has been my experience in my life. That when I look to God, he alone is the place where I find rest. I find uh, peace. I find uh, some sense of, of, of calm in the storm. But also, and more importantly, I think this is the, the testimony of the Bible. This is, this is what the, the scriptures teach us. That we can look to God and, and truly find rest. See, in spite of all the frailty of our circumstances, in spite of all the challenges that we face in this world, we believe that God can and will renew our inner lives, our inner persons, when all of the the outer world is crumbling and falling apart. Right? When when the the outer world is falling apart, when our outer lives are are hurting, are, are... are facing challenges we can't overcome. We find hope in knowing that God is at work transforming our inner selves, our eternal selves. And so this morning, I want to encourage us to look at a passage in the book of 2 Corinthians with Paul, a man who was very familiar with suffering. And I want us to consider how he encourages us to to take a perspective of finding hope in the midst of our circumstances. Not that one day it will be fixed, but that God's doing something right now. And that should give us encouragement because it means our circumstances are for our good and not for our ill. So listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll pick up in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ways that you are uh, speaking to us right now, Lord. There are many of us who need that encouragement. We need to know, Lord, that you are at work in our lives. We need to understand that, that the difficulty of our circumstances are not the end of the story, but that you are doing something beyond our comprehension, and we can trust in that. 
Lord, if anything, allow me to be a testimony this morning that we can trust in that. That we can see your masterful hand painting a masterpiece of our lives as we entrust ourselves to you this morning. Speak to us in your word, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me start by saying this. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that we are living in one of the hardest times of world history. Maybe not the hardest time. Maybe there's examples of, uh, of where there were uh, more extreme challenges in one part of the world or, or whatnot. But as a whole, as a world, this is one of the most difficult times that our world has had to face. People are losing jobs. People are uncertain of how they'll put food on the table. Maybe you've lost your job this morning. Maybe you're dealing with that concern yourself. People are grieving the loss of, of loved ones from COVID-19. Here in Fairfield, we've lost four people to COVID-19, and another 66 are, are sick and hospitalized. Lord, we, we pray for those people, though, right? We lift them up because they are experiencing a grief that we cannot understand. To, to think that these individuals are separated from their loved ones in their last moments this side of heaven. Man, that's a grief I cannot understand. I mean, I, could, I can be told it, but to experience it and understand it and actually uh, grapple with it, I can't do that. People are experiencing this kind of grief. People are suffering from loneliness, stress, and anxiety on all new levels. Right? Paul, the man who wrote our passage this morning, he was not unfamiliar with suffering. If, if anything, it, it should give us some encouragement to know that, that suffering is not unique, but is common to us all. And let me just say this before we go any further. I want to encourage you not to compare your suffering to someone else. Not to, not to belittle your pain and your trial because it's not like theirs. But also not to take the position where you belittle other people because their pain and their suffering and their trial is not as hard as yours. Your suffering is unique to you, and God works uniquely in your situation and in your circumstances. Paul was uh, someone who God worked uniquely in, right? And he was not unfamiliar with that suffering. You know, he was, he was whipped five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned one time. Three times he, he, he was shipwrecked and spent time lost at sea. He faced danger from robbers and, and even his own people, even those close to him. He thought that he would receive uh, respect and protection, but he was in, at risk of, of being uh, killed by his own people. He spent many sleepless nights in the cold, hungry and, and thirsty. And every day he lived with anxiety for the churches that he cared for and that he helped plant. Paul was not unfamiliar with suffering. Instead of wallowing in the self-pity, though, instead of, instead of uh, you know, facing shipwreck and thinking, okay, that's it, I, I can't do anything else, Paul maintained his course. He stayed focused on the goal that God had set before him. He didn't stop in his tracks and say, well, there's no way around this, so I might as well just give in to it, like the Stoics did, the, those who believed a, lived a, a, of the philosophy of Stoicism. He didn't say, well, I can't do anything about this, so I'm just going to let it happen. He persevered and he endured. And, and in fact, he had more boldness to preach the gospel that he preaches. 
right? Earlier in the passage of 2 Corinthians 4, we won't have it on the screen for you, but if you have your Bibles open, he says in, in verse 7 of the passage, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, right? He knew that his ministry, his goal of preaching the good news about Jesus Christ was going to be this treasure inside of him. He was that weakened, frail jar of clay that breaks so easily. And yet within him was the power of God, not his power, but the power of God which is seen in his life as he persevered in his trials and in his tribulations. You know, he was no stranger to suffering. And so over the last few months, our nation, really our world, woke up to a whole new kind of suffering. And and we, like Paul, have to decide if if we will be sent sideways by our pain, if we're going to get distracted and kind of go off course because of the difficulties we face, or if we will wake up each day, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. If we will focus on the goal that has been set before us by Jesus. And we do that by clinging to Jesus. We, like Paul, cling to the hope that our faith offers us, right? Paul, Paul says in our passage, so, or therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. We, we're, we're not going to be discouraged and stop going in the direction we're going. We do not lose heart. In spite of the pain and the suffering we endure, we, we don't let go of our hope. We don't give up on the promise that God has, has put before us. We don't surrender to our fear of our uncertain finances. We, we, we don't uh, surrender to the fear of the question of our own health, but we endure. Will we endure the next few weeks? I think the key thing, the, the main thing that we, as followers of Jesus and as the children of God, need to do is just cling to Jesus in prayer, in reading scripture, in in fellowship, calling other people in the church, cling to Jesus, right? And if for some reason this morning, you know, you haven't yet really felt like you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, this offer is not exclusive to those, well, it is exclusive to those who believe in Jesus, but it is not exclusive to you. You are welcome to, to embrace the gift that God offers you in Jesus Christ. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove that you're worthy of it. You just accept it. You accept that God is handing you this relationship with Jesus for you to hold on to, to cling to, to find hope and encouragement and strength. And so we, we cling to that truth. We cling to the truth that God is at work in our, cir- our circumstances beyond our ability to see. And so when I cling to my faith in hard times, my life is a sermon of God's faithfulness. Think about that. As we cling to Jesus in the midst of our circumstances, our life becomes a sermon of God's power and faithfulness, right? Paul would say he's just a frail, fragile jar of clay. But as that jar of clay is passed around and people see what's inside of it, they don't see Paul they see the power of God at work in Paul's life. In my own life, when I cling to Jesus, I hope people see not Dan, but the power of God at work in Dan. The, the power of the relationship he has with Jesus at work in him, carrying him forward. Not, not, not keeping him from the pain and the, the circumstances I face. I have trials and tribulations just like the next person. But my, my hope 
is in the power of God at work in my life in those circumstances. This morning, I wonder if you can think of a time that you have clung to your faith in Jesus. In fact, I would encourage you to be so bold to maybe share that on the discussion board. When have you been bold enough, or when have you been uh, reliant on Jesus, put, put your faith in him, clung to him in faith as you've walked through a circumstance that was particularly hard? For me, it was when my mom fell and fractured her skull. I remember a lot of details about the day that I got the call that she had been injured and she was being uh, medi-lifted to, uh, to a, a hospital. Or when my daughter needed heart surgery at two months old. Or when my sister was diagnosed with an ab- aggressive brain tumor. There are moments in our lives where when we look for strength within us, we're depressed because we don't have answers. We don't have solutions. We look to the world hoping the world will give us some comfort. But man, we're distressed because we know that those answers that we really want won't come from the world, don't come from the world. But I have found that in each of these moments, when I looked to God, when I clung to my faith in Jesus, I found rest. None of these moments felt good. In fact, they are the most painful times in my life. And yet somehow, when I clung to Jesus in faith, I experienced the power of God carrying me forward, giving me strength. I can't tell you now how. I, I can't tell you how I can you know, try to manipulate having that intimacy with Christ again. I can't do it. Because it was a gift from God in that moment of crisis that he strengthened me and renewed me as I trusted in him. See, today I'm more confident in God than I have ever been. And it's because I've walked through these trials, these times of suffering, learning to trust in the power of God at work in my life. And so, if anything, hear my testimony today that you would learn to trust that Jesus is faithful, that he's trustworthy that he is real and present to you in your pain and your, your suffering. And that he will renew you day by day as you walk through that time. We need to be ready to share that hope with others. Our world is, is in need of hope. Our world is in need of peace right now. And it's a, a hope and a peace that only comes from Christ. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you. Be ready to speak about the, the, the hope that is in you. To, to share it with others, to, to invite others to, to put their hope, to, to put their trust and their faith in the same thing that you have. Namely, Jesus Christ, to, to, to cling to that hope. This is a a hope that declares, though my outer self is wasting away, is falling apart, is fading, God is transforming me day by day in my inner life. You know, this morning I I wonder, do you feel hopeful? Maybe that's something you could talk about on the discussion board. Do you feel hopeful this morning? It's okay to say no. right? Part of the beauty of the body of Christ is that We can rely on one another. That when we don't feel hopeful, there is someone else within the body of Christ who can encourage us and say, hey, 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 you got to look up. Don't look left or right. 
Look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So feel free to talk about that on the discussion board. Do you feel hopeful this morning? Maybe you do. And maybe you can testify to why you feel hopeful this morning. Share it with others. Encourage one another. See, hope may not be something that we can touch or or taste or smell, but, but you can feel the effects of it, right? Hope is something beyond our tangible senses, but it's something that you can see the effect of. We want to feel the effects of hope, right? We want, to, we, want to, we want to be encouraged to know that hope is real. See, that, that, the day that, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was evidence of the reality of the hope we have in Christ as we trust God, as we trust his promises, because he was sending a victor. He was sending a rescuer, a redeemer. Now, those people, they may not have realized what kind of redeemer Jesus would be, They had a certain expectation in their mind. I wish we could have said to them, as we need to say to ourselves, let go of your expectations and just receive him as a savior, as a victor. We need to hear that today. Maybe we need to let go of our expectations and simply claim him as our victor. That hope is real. This hope is something not just real, but it's something that keeps us moving forward toward the goal that God would have for us. Right? It's, it's not just something that encourages us and picks us up every now and then when we feel down. It's the thing that keeps us on track, moving toward the goal that God would have for us. There are many things that come up in our day that send us sideways. Something frustrating that happens. The kids are bickering or, 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 or kids, mom and dad are too busy to pay attention to you. And so you get frustrated. Those things, those moments, they, they, they turn our attention off of where Jesus is leading us to go. They make us forget what it means to be kind and gracious and loving and obedient as we see in Jesus. But this hope if we keep it ever before us, is real and keeps us focused on the goal that God would have for us. And it's a goal of completion. It's a goal of of wholeness. It's a goal of perfection, of of being fully made in the image of Jesus Christ, who loved us unconditionally, who, who served us sacrificially, and who lived obediently to the Father. In our passage this morning, Paul refers to this goal as an eternal weight of glory of the sense of building up into this eternal weight of glory, the glory of the Father in the face of Jesus Christ. See, our hope right now is that even though the surface of our circumstances, we see depression, we we see loneliness, we see sickness, we see grief, we see worry, we uh, we see pain, yet we hope and will be hopeful Because we trust and have faith that God is working beyond our ability to see. He's working in those unseen places of our lives. This is a faith that the author of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1, describes like this. He says, it's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is not like a, a, you know, oh man, I I wish that, that, (laughs) I'll use this one again. I wish that Tom Brady, you know, stayed with the Patriots. That's a wish. That's a desire, right? No, this hope is a conviction 
that, that what God has promised to do is true. Even though it's not fully complete yet, it will be. We know it to be. We're con- we have this, this, this conviction, this assurance that it will come to completion. What this means is that we can trust in the promises of God. And though our circumstances don't testify to this, they look painful, they look difficult, the promise is no less true and is no less ours. The Bible teaches that God's plan for his people is to shape them into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. We can read that in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 if you want to, but the point is that, that God has a plan. He's got a goal for us. He's got a goal for all those who surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you're my Savior. I believe you're my victor. I have no expectation other than just to believe in you, to surrender to you. And, and, and immediately we're put on this path where the goal is being conformed to the image of Christ, the firstborn among the living. Right? To be clear, it's, it's not God's plan to make us suffer. Yes, we want to live like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. We, we want to endure suffering as Jesus did. But it's never been God's plan to, to create suffering for us to walk through, to shape us. He utilizes the circumstances of our lives and, 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 and redeems that pain and that suffering for his glory to shape us in the image of Jesus. Now, in, in the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus says that you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, when I read that, I think, well, might as well give up. There's no hope in that, right? No way I'm going to be perfect. But it's not what we, would, what we assume, right? This perfection is something that, that God accomplishes in us. That perfection that, that God accomplishes is something that, that, that he uh, shapes us in the midst of our circumstances, it's not like we have to get through this hard time and then God will, will give us the okay to be transformed. He transforms us in the midst of our circumstances, even our suffering. Matthew uses the Greek word teleos to, to record this idea of perfection in Jesus' sermon. And, and this idea of teleos or telos is, is this sense of goal or completion or wholeness and perfection, Right? It's the greatest good, the greatest thing, greatest end to all things. It carries this meaning of wholeness and completion. The process that, 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 that Jesus puts us through is toward this teleos, this place of perfection and completeness and, and wholeness. Consider the life of a diamond for a moment. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? And if diamonds are a girl's best friend... Or I should say this, and if the, the saying is also true, a happy wife is a happy life, then diamonds are also a guy's best friend, right? And so, yeah, can I get an amen? Amen, right? But here's the thing. Diamonds don't naturally occur. Well, they go through a process. Diamonds are formed as carbon deep within the earth's mantle. It, it is exposed to a, a environments of, of 752 degrees Fahrenheit at least, and then held under extreme pressure of 434,113 pounds per square inch of pressure. And as it's exposed to those environments, and then is quickly thrust to the Earth's surface through a deep source volcanic reaction, we get these beautiful diamonds that are a girl's best friend and also a man's best friend, right? And I think there's 
an overwhelming consensus that diamonds are beautiful. But if diamonds could talk, I imagine they would say, ouch, that hurts, right? I mean, it's not like it's a joyful process for them to become as beautiful and as complete as they are. See, the hope that we cling to in our lives is that when our circumstances are difficult, when they're painful, when they're grief-stricken and depressing, we believe that God is working. He's doing something miraculous in our lives. This is a, the process of glorification. This is the process that at the end will result in an eternal weight of glory for us. God is shaping us into something beautiful. It's this process by which we build up our trust, our trust in God's love and appreciation and acceptance of our lives. See, Paul describes the nature of our glory in, uh, in Christ in 1 Corinthians 8.3. He says this. He says, if anyone loves God, he is known by God, right? As we, as we go through this process of glorification, as we build up trust that God truly accepts us, truly loves us, and truly approves of, of us in Jesus Christ, he, he knows us, right? He, he, it's not just like this, like, oh, I know that man or I know that person. It's this intimate knowledge, a relationship where we deeply know him and he deeply knows us. And as he does, he looks upon us and notices us. And we are known by God. So I remember the day that I asked Tara to marry me. I gave her a diamond ring. I, I got down on one knee and, and gave her a diamond ring as a, a pledge of my love and commitment to her. And and after she pushed me over and told me to shut up, she, she looked down at that ring that I put on her finger and she, she adored it. She, she, she noticed it. She stared at it. She loved it. Right? Can you picture God looking upon you like this diamond ring? Can, can, you, can you imagine God looking upon you like a newly engaged woman looks upon the ring that's just been placed on her finger? The process of glorification is this process through which we learn to trust that God looks upon us with acceptance and, and approval and love, and he adores us. Theologian C.S. Lewis once said, how we think of God is really no importance, right? I mean, we, we're, we're being glorified in, in Christ, but, but we don't enter into that process because what we think of God, Right? How we think of God is of no importance in, except in so far as it is related to how, we, how he thinks of us. That's what C.S. Lewis said. In other words, what we think of God doesn't really change the course of history. All that matters is what he thinks. Right? And what he thinks is that your life, my life, is a canvas waiting to be painted upon and turned into a masterpiece. Do you, do you believe this this morning? In, in, in your living room, in your dining room, in your kitchen, wherever you are, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that, that God looks upon your life and sees something good? Maybe he sees the potential or maybe, maybe he sees the, the beauty within. What's it? I'm not, I, there, the, the, the picture that's coming to mind to me right now is the, the artist that uh, could, could picture what the, uh, as he as he chiseled away on the stone, he could picture the statue within this block, right? 
butchering this illustration right now, but you get the point. That, that God sees the beauty within the block. It doesn't matter if there are smudges or blemishes on the canvas of your lives. It doesn't matter if there's a dent in the, the stone that, that's about to be chiseled. He can transform it into a masterpiece. See, I think the funny things about the days that we're living in is that we're all realizing that the canvas of our lives isn't quite as beautiful as we thought it was. It isn't quite as strong or as powerful or as equipped as we hoped it was. See, our hope this morning... Not, not our wish or our desire, our firm conviction, our assurance is that what is unseen, the masterpiece within, is far greater than what is seen. Our belief is that all who put their faith in Jesus Christ are in the process of becoming a masterpiece. That's what God is doing in our inner selves. He's transforming us. Our outer selves may be wasting away, but our inner selves are being renewed day by day by day. We are masterpieces. Masterpieces that when we are completed, when that day comes that we are complete, when we're whole, when we're perfect, the artist will stand back and he'll adore it and he'll say, magnificent. It's very good just as he did after creation, and he looked at his creation and said, it is very good. But until that day comes, we don't lose heart. Right? The, 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 greatest, the greatest gift we could receive, there's no greater glory, there's no greater glory to attain, to, to achieve, than to stand before our victor, to stand before our Savior, and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's a process. And so until that day comes, we don't lose heart. There may be much about our outer world that's crumbling, that's falling apart. My body is failing me. My job has just been eliminated. My bank account wasn't what it once was. Maybe I've got to be quarantined in a room apart from my family and spend 14 days in this lonely environment, fearful about whether or not I've got this virus. But understand something. This is the world that is seen, right? This is our wealth. It's our, our reputation. It's our comforts. It's our, our physical pleasure. And, and as much as we don't like coming to grips with this reality, the reality of this truth, this outer world is temporary. It's fading. We cannot rely upon it. We can only be distressed as the things of our outer world are stripped away. And so we stay the course. We don't lose heart. We persevere. We endure with conviction and belief that though this outer world is wasting away, our inner world, our, our, our faith, our hope, our love, our humility, our goodness, all of this is being built up in our character and strengthened in Christ until we all reach wholeness, perfection, completion. So yes, the trials and difficulties of, of this world are very obvious and they're very painful. But don't lose heart. For the unseen things, though the work God is doing in our, is eternal in our inner lives and will far outweigh any glory that this world offers us. So let's not forget what Corey Tenboom says. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be de de depressed. But if you look to God you will be at rest. Today, 
I'm not asking you to try harder at this thing called faith. I'm not asking you to be more obedient to God. I'm not asking you to read your Bibles more frequently or memorize scripture or, or, all, or any of that. All those things are good and valuable and meaningful. But that's not what I'm asking you today. What I'm asking you today is to just receive. Receive the truth that though the things that are seen in our world are wasting away, God is doing an unseen work in our lives. An unseen work that that will never waste away, but will be centered into our lives for all eternity. God is perfecting us. He's perfecting us in our living rooms. He's, He's perfecting us in our dining rooms. He's making us whole in our kitchens. And he's going to continue this work until Jesus returns, and we will join him in glory one day. So today we remain in our homes. We, we endure the suffering of job loss, of sickness, of, of grieving the pain of losing loved ones. We, we endure the hardship of loneliness and grief and, and the reality of our outer selves wasting away. But we do not lose heart because God is doing a work beneath the surface of our lives and is renewing us day by day. I want to read for you as we close these words that Paul prayed for uh, for the church in, uh, in Thessalonica. And as I do, I want to encourage you one more time. As you walk away, walk away with this one thing today. Don't go feeling like you have to do more to earn God's grace and help in a time like this. Just receive and believe Believe in the truth that God is working beyond the the circumstances of our lives. He's working deep within our inner selves. He's shaping our character in faith and hope and love far beyond our comprehension. Listen to Paul's words here in Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be made perfect and complete by Jesus, that we might trust That when God looks upon us, he knows us, he adores us, he he loves what he sees. Learn to trust in that and find rest in the midst of our circumstances. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are at work beyond the things that we see. That you are at work in the unseen and that you are accomplishing an eternal weight of glory. You are perfecting your people. It's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon you, Lord. And so, Lord, you invite us to be, uh, find encouragement in that today, to just receive it. Not to feel like we have to try harder or do anything more, but just receive that gift, that promise that, that our lives are not determined by our circumstances, but by your work in our lives. May you transform us today in the image of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
have a savior we have a victor and and when we gather around the lord's table that is when we proclaim with our actions and our memory and our remembrance god's goodness his victor we find in jesus christ if you have those elements nearby a piece of bread or a cracker and juice i'd encourage you to to pull it out now because i'm going to invite us to celebrate the lord's supper together now in our service what makes today so special for me is that what we do is not just another thing in our service, but it's a moment of reflection, of remembering Jesus Christ, but not just remembering him by ourselves. You, can, you, you could participate by yourself, and yet there is a, a mystical union that we have with the body of Christ as we gather around the Lord's Supper as we gather around the Lord's table and celebrate what he has done on our behalf. God's desire, Jesus' desire, is that we would be one, unified, and unified in Jesus Christ. Unified in the person of Jesus Christ and in what he has done on our behalf. You know, before he was crucified, Jesus was praying in his high priestly prayer. He prays this. He says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples there present with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You and I, right? That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What we celebrate around the, the Lord's table is a moment of, of giving testimony to the fact that we are one in Christ. Whether we are right next to each other in the same room or if we celebrate it from a distance in our living rooms. Because rest assured, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating what Christ has done with all the saints. All the saints who have gone before us, who have celebrated the Lord's Supper, we celebrate and declare with them what Christ has done on our behalf. And so for me, this feels like a very special time where we can come around the Lord's table and remember not just our personal sin that's been forgiven, but the new life that we've been invited into, a part of the body of Christ. This year at Trinity, we've been focusing on how we can build the church with the next generation in mind, and we are determined to endure toward that goal. There are generations of, of believers who will follow after us, who will give thanks because we have been steadfast in pursuing our faith. And what we celebrate today, we'll join with them in celebrating someday. Because what we celebrate today is the death and resurrection of Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that, that as we gather to remember, to remember what Jesus has done, and when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're actually enacting the gospel message. We're, we're, we're proclaiming his death and resurrection each and every time until Christ returns. It's a sacred and special moment. So I want to invite us, before we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, I wonder if you'll allow me to... Spend a moment in prayer for us. Let's quiet our hearts. Heavenly Father, we come before you. 
Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our desire to to, uh, determine our own path, to, to go about our own way. Forgive us for treating you like a slot machine and only coming back to you when we need something from you. Forgive us, Lord, that we might appreciate and enjoy and, and adore the new life you offer us. Lord, I am so thankful that no matter what our past says, our future in Christ says forgiven. And so, Lord, we take this time to remember your body broken for us. We take this time to remember the new covenant that you offer us, the new relationship, the new life that we experience in your resurrected body. Lord, may this uh, time in our worship unify us around the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, we're told that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had broken the bread, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus invites us to know and to remember that this is his body broken for us that now unifies us in its resurrected state. Do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so Jesus said, do this as often as you, drink, as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you that today, though we are, are apart, we are near to one another through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that in the loneliness we feel at home, you would remind us of the fellowship we share in Jesus Christ. That you would comfort our hearts and minds. That we would look to you and find rest. Father, we love you and are so thankful that you sent your son Jesus. He truly is victorious. And we celebrate him today. Lord, our circumstances will not stop us from declaring your goodness and your greatness and your power. And Lord, we could think of no greater example of that than when Jesus was hung on the cross. And yet the the grave could not hold him. He was victorious over death so that as he was raised to life, we too might be raised to life. 
and that we might have the hope of an eternal weight of glory with him when he returns for all eternity. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning, a chance to celebrate your supper together with you and with all your people. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we close our time together today, I just want to let you know of uh, a couple of things. One, one way to continue that fellowship is to join us at 2 o'clock this afternoon. We'll be gathering online for a time of corporate prayer, uh, going on behalf of our community, our town, our government, our world, and lifting our voices before the Lord and lifting up the, the scriptures. Uh, that will be led by Jesse Winters, and we're excited for her to lead that again. Uh, if you want to join us and haven't already signed up for that, you can go on our website and register, uh, and they'll send you a link of how you can get connected, whether by phone or uh, actually uh, connecting through Zoom, which is uh, it's actually the secure link uh, because of this registration. So go ahead and do that, and we'd love to see you later today at 2 p.m. today. And also... I want to let you know, as we head into Holy Week, as we, as we prepare our hearts and minds for Easter, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'd like to gather online at noon every day for a time of prayer and reading the scriptures of what Jesus was doing as he uh, approached uh, the, uh, the cross. And so I would invite you, if you're interested in joining me, um, that you would maybe reach out to me by email or call the church office. My email address is dan at trinityfairfield.org, or you could call the church office, which is 203-255-3977, and we will also try to get something up on the website to invite you to join me each day at noon as we prepare our hearts for celebrating Easter, Christ's uh, crucifixion and resurrection together. Again, it's a, it truly is a, a privilege to be able to worship with you this morning, even though we're not near. Know that I miss you. Uh, I miss being together with you. Uh, but also, I am confident that um, our fellowship will be richer as we regather again when we can. For now, stay home, stay safe. If you need any help, please go on our website and, and certainly... Uh, Check out the care form underneath Community Life, and we'll, we'll connect you to any needs that you have. And then lastly, I just do want to encourage you that your giving uh, is helping us. Please continue to give faithfully uh, through any of the four ways that we have uh, available to you. Um, this is a way that we will have the resources to meet those needs of people who have lost their jobs, are, are uh, not sure of how to put groceries on the table, or have other needs within their life. We want to be that community that shares our resources in such a way that we come through this together. And so please consider how you're giving to the ministries of our church, and as we uh, as we identify new ways that God's inviting us to proclaim the gospel in our communities. And so, again, uh, hopefully you'll take advantage of that. Now, as we close our service, I want to close with these words, a blessing that God has given to his people, a, a blessing to us as individuals, but also to a, as a church body. Hear this as we close our time together this morning. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.